When it's time to write, you need to be able to focus on the words and nothing else. Arc Studio understands how screenwriters think. They've created screenwriting software that doesn't distract with an overloaded interface. Say goodbye to archaic, outdated screenwriting software and say hello to advanced story building features, industry standard automatic formatting, and stress-free collaboration tools that are as easy to use as Google Docs. ArcStudio is already being used by beginners and professionals alike, such as the team behind the Netflix show Arcane and David Wayne, writer-director of Wet Hot American Summer and Role Models, plus all of us here at Midnight Riders. Join the thousands of screenwriters who have already made the leap. Arc Studio offers a completely free plan, and you can also get $30 off the pro plan if you visit the link. It's in the show notes, but I'm going to spell it out for you right now. It's A-R-C-S-T-U-D dot I-O, that's Arc Studio, slash The Midnight Writers. That's 30 bucks off. I repeat, $30 off for visiting Arc Studio, A-R-C-S-T-U-D dot I-O slash The Midnight Writers. Every year, NYC Midnight hosts a high-speed, short-form screenwriting competition. For each round, you are given a random genre, theme, and character that you must incorporate into a short screenplay in a very small amount of time. My friends and I tackle it each year to varying results and degrees of success, and we document our journey via this podcast. This is The Midnight Writers. Episode 3, our first round submissions. First things first, how did the week go for everyone? Keith, I know when we talked the last time, you were all, I got an idea and I'm two thirds of the way done. And that was a day within getting our prompts. How did the rest of the week go for you? Um, you know what? Uh, not as smoothly as I thought. Um, I think I spent a lot more time uh, thinking around in my head a little bit because, again, I, I came up with an idea and I immediately came up with a good way that I wanted to open it and a way to close out things. And then along the way, I realized I only had 12 pages to work with, which made for a lot of uh, a lot of reorganizing and rewriting, cutting out some dialogue that, you know, would have been perfectly fine in a, like a normal length, you know, movie or something like that. But in 12 pages, kind of a, a waste of space and eventually having to rework my entire like visual for the opening um, with like a, a montage with voiceover to, to, to really make it work and not have to give up anything else uh, in the second half of the, of the script. Did anyone else have struggles with the 12 page? I did. So I, I thought for sure I would only need like eight or nine pages, <laughs> but I reached that 12 page limit pretty quickly. Did you? <laughs> yeah. I was surprised. Did you have to, uh, the chop stuff or did you just, um, be a little more efficient? A little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I realized I was spending a bit too much time describing things early on. Mm -hmm. Then uh, I thought uh, I could 
save a lot of space with that. So I kind of cut down on it with my first edit. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I had like two full pages of dialogue that I cut out and I, I realized it was repeating a lot of stuff. I, I say again at the end of the script. <laughs> so that's probably for the best. Yeah. I will say that like each of the three years we've done this, I've, you know, I've typed out everything and put everything in and I realized, Oh, I'm on, you know, the middle of page 13. So it's not that bad to have to scale back a bit. I finished putting everything in, uh, in, in the format and everything and knew I was going to have to just do some basic edits, but all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I'm at like 15 and a half pages. Mm -hmm. And again, it's mostly like, if you try to do, you know, if you're trying to do a lot of dialogue at all, that really eats up a lot of your 12 pages because of like the condensed, uh, you know, way that it's on the, the page, especially if you're trying to like, you know, my original part was going to jump back and forth between like, you know, the montage and, and explain, you know, having showing where the talking was going on. And that just, you know, that would end up being like two pages of the thing basically in my first run. Uh, you know, and so just having to rework that, but yeah, I'm, I've consistently gone over just not as bad, um, as I did with this one. What about the rude boys with attitude? Um, rude dudes <laughs> with attitude. Uh, yeah, uh, we're getting tattoos this week. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's our slogan. Um, and they're at the, they're at the uh, WrestleMania probably. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, well, uh, you know, I basically knocked out a masterpiece in, uh, a day and a half. <laughs> this uh, did come pretty easy to you. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I I struggled a lot with. Uh, I thought I had a relatively simple concept, and so I was like, because I always go big with my stories. I'm like, I'm really dialing myself back. And then when I actually got into writing, I realized that I had enough plot for like a 20 minute pilot episode of something, rather than like an actual 12 minute screenplay. Uh, so I basically had to rework because I really liked my beginning. Mm -hmm. I ended up reworking the end and kind of changing uh, like the whole kind of concept in a way, because it turned from what was a romance into like people finding themselves in a mm -hmm. friendship. Cause I kind of didn't have the room for, that much development for a romance uh so yeah right uh yeah i had the opposite problem where i uh i essentially uh just wrote a comedy sketch i, I basically wrote sketch instead of like a a more developed story so uh for me i mean if you look at a lot of sketch comedy things don't run 10, 12 minutes. And if they do, it's usually beating a dead horse by the end of it. So I ended up uh, putting kind of some filler material in there. I wanted, I wanted to fill out 12 pages. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I kind of just, it kind of just naturally by the time I fleshed everything out the way I wanted to uh, and I saved it, to the PDF, it just sort of kind of naturally fell into that length. I think because I was writing something that's pretty geared towards short form. Mm. Uh, so uh, for, for me, it, it was, it was easier in the sense that I didn't have to cut a lot, uh, but it was more of like, Oh, I need to generate more material to actually kind of uh, pad this out a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
Bill, was so, that one of the um, was that one of the things that they told you uh, last year? Because I think last year yours came in like short of twelve pages. Is that one of the things the judges said was to try and get closer to the twelve page limit that you were like? Or no, I don't think I was. I don't think I was dinged on. I, I, I kind of wanted to, I mean, by the time you, I put a couple like fake commercials in there and, and by the time I did a, just a, an initial run through, it was only like half the length. And I was just kind of like, uh, for something that's allowing you 12, 12 pages to come in at half, a little bit looks like it was phoned in, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was more for me just kind of saying, like, I have more room. Let's see what else I can do and, um, you know, kind of put a little bit more more effort into that. Did you str- did you find yourself struggling with the comedy aspect at all? Because I remember you were a little bit dreading going into it. Uh, once I once I locked into what I was doing. No, but this was also um, I played for probably three days with an entirely different concept um, Mm -hmm. that was leaning a little more towards uh, a satirical um, kind of view, but also to make that work, I had to be also kind of silly. There was, there was a problem with like too many different comedic tones, too many different Mm -hmm. kinds of comedy Mm -hmm. and it just kind of wasn't gelling and it wasn't going anywhere. Um, so I just kind of scrapped that and just said, okay, like what is comedy writing to me? And a lot of it is rooted in, you know, I grew up on SNL and, you know, in living color and Ben Stiller show, all these sketch comedy shows in the nineties. And, uh, and that was a really big deal to me. So I kind of was just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write that style of, of comedy. This is a comedy short is what a sketch is. So. Yeah, I just sort of applied it to that. And once I locked in with that, it's a lot easier to just be silly in that in that kind of uh, format. Oh, yeah. And once once I just kind of knew, okay, that's what it is. And 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 I don't have to carry any kind of like satirical weight or darker stuff or or weirder stuff. And it can just be this. And once I kind of locked into the tone and what I was doing, it. I'm not going to say it came easy. I, I did a lot of polish work on it as the week went over, but um, it was, it was easier. It was easier than I thought it would be initially. Well, that's good. Cause I am, cause I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, <laughs> I haven't looked, listened back, but you were not enthused by pulling comedy. So I'm glad it worked uh, out. It well was, it, yeah. I mean, you, I think you guys are a lot of the same way where you, you appreciate comedy uh, to a point where you appreciate a lot of different styles, mm-hmm. but maybe have a little, I don't know if you do uh, Derek, cause you've done more like improv work and stuff, but I, sometimes I have a little trouble like defining the kind of comedic thing I want to make, you know, like, like settling on a comedic voice. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. No, I, I, I gotcha. 100%. Cause I think uh, that's why the, the commercials that you threw in there, I, I thought were like really genius to do because you were going for that like SNL skit type vibe. Right. And so, I mean, you know, you and that was the most main... fun I had, uh, by the way, just writing yeah. those, those short uh, fake local commercials. I yeah. had a good time with those. 
I mean, you, you basically you did like four skits and then put them together for like the one long thing because you yeah. have three commercials plus then your your longer story. And I thought that was a great way to, uh, you know, make sure that you're using, you know, uh, a lot of the, uh, the page count and also just to show like additional creativity uh, on the thing overall. Uh, I, I appreciate that because I, I feel like I took a way different uh, approach than uh, any of you other four guys did. You guys were all cutting stuff down and really kind of writing more intricate stories that had a lot of different settings and scenery and, and like time lapse kind of stuff. You guys had a lot going on in 12 pages and uh, you know, my hat's off to you guys for being able to tell stories in that way, even having to cut down from, from going over the original 12 pages. Yeah. Derek, I, how, I, did, how did your week go? Uh, oh, this is the one we all want to hear about the most. <laughs> yeah. yeah <definitely. laughs> well, okay. So just to refresh, <laughs> there was, the, the prompts really put me in a deer in headlights sort of situation. Cause that proxy marriage thing. <laughs> yeah. It, it's weird. And yeah, it's hyper-specific. But man, it just hit me a spot. I'm like, how the hell do you do anything with the concept, right? And so I spent a long time, and I, I think I said last time I was going to try to go f- with a, a black mirror sort of approach to it, right? And I spent three, four days, like till probably Wednesday morning with that in mind. And I had an idea, and it was a decent story i think and it would have could have fleshed out to something but it was more melancholy than it was uh suspenseful in any capacity i I couldn't figure out how to make it suspenseful in any way whatsoever and then so i think i think wednesday afternoon i said nah i gotta figure something out and i just started going down genres i'm like what would be a cool genre where i could manipulate some weird wedding in a way like how mm. how would how could you have a wedding where the person doesn't show up or someone is there in their place and then how would that be how could that be even normalized in any way whatsoever i was trying right. to figure it out <laughs> well i honestly i think you could have gone with anything because i've yet to find anybody who knew what a proxy marriage was yeah well no one <laughs> even knows the judges they're like yeah. yeah that's good that's you gotta fine. you gotta Google the concept because it's I mean it defines itself and it's in the words but but I mean it's like that can't be what it is for real and it is um, that, so on Wednesday I I said Western and that was it that's <laughs> so why I watched True Grit the new the Coen Brothers True Grit because I love that movie and it's like Great gets movie. me in a Western vibe um, I watched that. And I'm like, okay. And then the next day, I, I this is the first time I've ever done this. I outlined my story beats. I've never done that before. But I went in and I just put um, like the slug lines in um, and what those were supposed to represent, right? Like this is my intro. This is, this is my turn into into act two you know so on and so forth and i just did the slug lines put notes on them like and i'm going to say i did not have to cut anything down uh i hit 12 pages like on a button <laughs> like, like like i felt like um nice. 
the archer at a Viking funeral, man. I, I had a lit arrow and I launched it out into the water and it hit the boat and it all lit on fire. And I was like, nice. That's impressive, man, because you have you have a lot going on in that script and that you nailed it at 12 pages exactly is that's really something. Yeah, well, it, it, it and because of the timing of everything, I, I mean, I was rushing down the last minute. It was literally first draft, best draft. And and I've read it several times since then. And there's things I would definitely change, but it is what it is. And I was pretty happy. I think the outlining is what got me there. Because if I didn't outline, I would have kind of meandered here and there. And I was able to write a little bit out of order as well. So I could do this scene, then think oh, about nice. this another scene and come back and kind of fill in the pieces in between. I didn't, I didn't necessarily do like any kind of official outline, but like I was busy doing some work stuff. And so I, I, I couldn't sit, um, you know, and use the actual uh, the fade in software stuff. So I was like, all right, well, I've got this going on, this going on. But then, like the second half of it, I like actually started typing in. Like, I was like, "All right, well, let's just if something comes to mind, like a line or something, I want to use." Next thing you know, I'm like, I'm writing out full scenes and full dialogue, you know, just on, on Google, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, that this was supposed to just be a throw some ideas out there to to connect the beginning and the end." Okay, so what was what was everybody's process? Like, I did the outline. Keith kind of just went in Google Docs. Phil, did you change anything from your approach to last year, from last year? Um, I, I, I kind of started, I wouldn't call it an outline, but it was sort of writing. I had a general idea of what I was going to do. And then it was just about like kind of writing jokes and writing uh, little bits of dialogue and putting that in Google Docs uh, just until I was, I had enough of it there that it could kind of, I could kind of shape it to the idea I had. And um, and then I just put it in script form, basically. So it wasn't an outline. It was a lot of like uh, fragments of ideas kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, really unorganized and half-baked, but it, it ended up getting me there. And that's uh, sadly, <laughs> I, I think a lot of how I write, it's just really undisciplined and uh, and slightly unorganized but it it generally gets me where i need to go <laughs> did you bounce any of the jokes off anybody who you knew was you know, uh, you know uh, gets your humor but maybe is also like it's not their their favorite humor so they could give you like a, an honest like take on whether like if they thought it was funny you were like yep i got something here if this person thinks it's funny no, not not as much. I kind of just kept it to myself until the very end of the week um, when I shared it with you guys. Uh, there was a, a lot of it is just knowing that comedy is subjective and that I could show it to uh, 10 different people and get 10 different reactions, possibly. So it was a lot of it was just committing to I think this is funny and I just have to. I, I can't second guess that. I just have to turn in something I think is funny and hope that it clicks with whoever reads this on the judging end. Um, whether that's a good strategy for like professional comedy writing or not, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it, at a certain point, I'm like, if I start second guessing and going, well, this one person didn't laugh at this. I got four laughs from Austin, but I only got three laughs from Logan. What, you know, what do I, it's, it, I, I would have driven myself absolutely insane 
it just had to be kind of committing to a bit and sticking with it in the same kind of way of like, if you, if you write a joke and then you, you're working on that thing for several days until the joke isn't funny anymore, you kind of have to make yourself remember that you thought it was funny when you wrote it down and you still, Mm -hmm. you still have to kind of commit to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I would would have my wife read it. She giggled at any of it. I knew I would have gold. (laughs) (laughs) Like she, she refuses to laugh at most of my jokes. Uh, So, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if, if I got her to start laughing along, I'd be like, man, Refuses I have got to laugh. I, I think I find yeah, that I funny, think, but I won't give Keith the satisfaction. <laughs> yep. I'll be I'll be honest. There's a lot of times I think that that happens. But also, um, yeah, I get I get a lot of that's just stupid. So, yeah, if I like I if I had to write a comedy, I'd be like, here, honey, can you read this? Tell me if you think this is funny. And if she giggled that I'd be like, perfect. That's great. What about you, Zach? You have a background with screenwriting to, to some extent, right? Yeah. Uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it had been a minute since you've written a screenplay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Probably, so was it like yeah. uh, riding a bike or did you venture out into new territory or how was it for you? Uh, I say it was like riding a bike. Usually getting started is where like I kind of fumble, but once I started going, I almost couldn't stop. Like I wrote, my first 12 pages, like in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was cool. Well, it was actually like 13 and a half pages. <laughs> but, uh, so I usually don't outline, but I've been trying to do that more. So I, I, was, I spent like some of my downtime at work trying to create bullet points and then create an outline from that. And I would write down lines that I would want to have in there and hopefully build off of that. And I, would like jump between like themes that I wanted, but Mm -hmm. that kind of just like worked itself out as I was writing the final screenplay. Uh, When I first got my, my uh, prompts, I kept jumping around between different ideas. Uh, I couldn't, I I couldn't get the alcohol thing out of my head after we joked about it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I was originally gonna have like a, like the whole thing be set on a train. And at some point that disappeared and it became a karaoke bar. (laughs) So your your story, I, I really enjoyed it, and it was melancholy, and it it it, it, it hits a sweet spot for my, uh, I, how much I enjoy sad things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I generally do, man. I I love I love movies that make me sad. I don't know oh, why. I just I just really like them. Uh, um, I but, think I would say that is because uh, anything that gets that can pull that emotion that you're probably not, you know, used to you know catching you. Uh, or or expressing like when you're watching some sort of like a TV or movie or listening to music or anything, it, it probably just sticks out more if it catches you like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I walk my life with a <laughs> with a, <laughs> a, a a functional depression. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I just didn't, I enjoy melancholy. It's just something that kind of I, I find it uh, comforting in a way and satisfying. Yeah. Uh, I- it feels sort of cathartic to me. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm there 100% with it. Right. How did you go into that with your idea at the end? Like the whole, you know, I, with a, I, I, I'm not spoiling your story. <laughs> um, with the, the guy and in, in, in his, his attempts to hold on to his memories and stuff like that via karaoke. Like, I don't know. I thought that was awesome. 
No, so that one I completely changed because like uh there's I can't remember if this was before after I started talking to Phil about the leftovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's yeah. a great karaoke oh, scene gosh. in that. And I just got like stuck on karaoke at one point. And uh I couldn't get that out of my brain. But before that it was originally it was supposed to be like a guy whose family had passed and he like uh kept taking like the same train like back and forth between like where he lives now and where like where their grave was mm. but he just can't ever get off the train so he just kills, keeps going back and forth <laughs> but so it's just completely different from my original idea oh, besides the dead family thing <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's hard to once you get latched onto a dead family it's hard to, exactly <laughs> it's hard to abandon that it's hard to, it's hard to get over it as your screenplay proved <laughs> <laughs> no it it, it I really enjoyed it. And now, Austin, you have experience with being a playwright, you know, uh, vaguely an award-winning playwright. An award-winning, mm. yes, I forget that the award-winning at, playwright at the high school level. He's wearing a black like, turtleneck and chain smoking. Hey, right oh, now. I don't, I don't care what level it's at. You won an award for writing <laughs> yeah. something. That's yeah. fantastic. That's right. uh, yeah, don't dismiss it, uh, but. Don't don't be like Al Bundy and then like in 30 years be like, I won an award for right <laughs> high school and I scored three touchdowns for poke high. Right. And how did you have a different approach to this, knowing you had page limits and and prompts or did you just go at it like you would any other, you know, uh, script endeavor? Well, I'm a, I'm a very slow writer uh, and that's kind of what. The page limit that was, it kind of took effect at the end of my writing process. I was like, oh, I, I can't fit this whole story in there. But in the beginning, I was just worried about, am I even going to be able to write something in time to turn it in? I, mm. I'm i pretty sure I wrote like three pages a day. Like it was very slow. And I, I took most of the day to write. But uh, for me, I... I outlined like four or five times before I even started because I really wanted to be like set on like what I'm writing because I don't want to write a scene, spend like a whole day writing a scene and then have to cut it. Uh, So I was really focused on that. And about halfway through, I realized I just did not have enough time for my ending. Uh, And it was kind of totally weird uh, not everything was lining up the way I wanted to. And I got really frustrated uh, to the point where I almost considered just like changing my whole story and going with a really simple concept. But I wanted to stick it out. And in the end, I think I'm glad I did uh, because I don't think this is the best thing I've written. Uh, but I'm proud that I finished something. And I think it's a coherent story. I hope it's mm-hmm. coherent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really liked that beginning bit. I, I kind of had an idea for the end that would mirror it, kind of bookend. And I didn't get to do that. But I did get to do something. And I think the end is still satisfying. I think you in... Uh, this was the, the upside of Austin and I living in the same house is we kind of got to talk this out as we as we went along this week uh so many writers room i kind of (laughs) yeah it kind of was um at certain points but it 
I mean, I, I knew where you were going at the beginning and I don't think you ended up drastically far from there. There was a couple angles that you wanted to explore initially, but you, you kind of brought it to the same place, just not in the same way you had planned. Yeah. Um, it, it, like there was a whole thing uh which goes to show you you planned so much and it, none of it mattered just fly by the seat of your pants like i do i've been telling you for years uh, just just go <laughs> i i would <laughs> no That's you're a planner I I know. you're a planner and in like that, I, you call yourself a slow writer but you were you were working you were writing you just weren't doing pages you were I, outlining a lot i was yeah. yeah but even when i do pages it takes me like I'll, I'll be writing uh, for like an hour and I won't even realize. And I'll be like, I wrote three lines of dialogue <laughs> and edited them over and over and over again until they sounded like something a human would say uh, or a ghost or a ghost or, or a ghost, a uh, former human. One of the concepts that I really, because my whole story is about how uh, ghosts aren't evil. They're just spirits that are lonely. Mm. Uh and I really wanted the ghost hunter in my story, the expert on ghosts who's vilifying them to end up coming back and mirroring like the horror aspects of a ghost story where he's chasing down this ghost who now we have an attachment to. Uh, and I just did not have time for that. Uh, so I just ended up focusing on my main idea, which was this ghost is lonely and needs a friend. Ghosts are people too. That's right. Ghosts are the, people too. Ghosts the real were ghosts were the too. friends we made the, the, along the, the friends way. Friends we made along the <laughs> way. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed your story because I, I emailed you. I don't know if you saw it, but I like I've I liked your. It, it was a sweet story. Like, and, and I'm not. That's not. I'm not trying to be um, pejorative with that word either. Like, it was a sweet. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, and I enjoyed the going from scary to discovery. Like. It was a, it was a nice journey. I appreciated it. You kind of had the most upbeat story. Of, you did of anybody in this <laughs> yeah. group. You, you <laughs> had the most. You had positive you had ending most tale. Of us all. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. Which is funny for it being the ghost story, the, mm-hmm. the one you would most think of death and sure. sadness. You were kind of set up to automatically fall into writing horror, and you actually wrote a yeah a very humanistic <laughs> story. I, yep. I, I said no to that. And I'm a little worried that the judges will be like, this isn't a ghost story. This isn't, this has a ghost it's in it. It's not a but conventional ghost elements. story. I think that, yeah. I think if anything, that would help you because it, yeah, it's, so it's going to be not the typical ghost story. I would argue I, that um, self-discovery and coming in, in <laughs> uh, uh, to grips with emotions and feelings is very scary. So, <laughs> <laughs> ghost or no ghost, ghost or no, it doesn't matter. Uh, trying, trying to find out a yeah. truth, man, that's a tough one. And I, and by the way, I think you know, Austin, you know, you, you're worried about like you know the judges and you know, if they wouldn't think it's a ghost story. Based on the 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 previous two years of doing this, it it does seem like like if you can do something that fits the criteria, but still like isn't the the main thing that people would expect out of it that does seem to go a, a long way with them i thought like the first year when i did the the weird dentist office the political themed dentist office i i do believe that helped me a lot that i did not just go with 
politics, 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 and and really kind of stuck with um, you know stuck with the judges a lot. Uh, Derek and reading your Western, I I don't watch a lot of Westerns, and so I don't always think suspense when I think Western. Sure, I, I think that that really makes it stand out more than a lot of what uh, I think a lot of people just get stuck in their mind of what suspense is. And and so also I think yours being a ghost story that's not like a poltergeist or super scary type, you know, paranormal activity type thing actually sets you aside from everybody else. You know, and, a, and, a reprieve, a breath of fresh air as yeah. they're reading 25 scripts. Oh, 24, I, 24 of these with, you know, uh, about something some ju- something who, uh, jumping out, or yeah, a kid who sees ghosts and is uh, a psychiatrist who is a ghost but doesn't know. It's a, it's like a hundred six cents uh, ripoffs, <laughs> yeah. seven cents. Yeah, Austin, you had touched on it about self editing while writing, and I am notorious for editing while writing, and it slows me down too. And that's probably probably what helps help me hit twelve pages like. Uh, from the T, uh, but also it just took me forever to get there. Uh, and Keith, you had mentioned that you just write a big chunk and then whittle it down uh, from your marble. Uh, <laughs> Phil and Zach, did you do you guys write and then go back, or you're revising as you go? I almost always revise as I go. This yeah. was like one of the first times where I, I didn't do that, and I. That helped a lot, I think. <laughs> At least helped with me getting it done on time. Well, if you dump 12 pages on the first sit, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's remarkable. That's, a, that's yeah. a ton. Yeah, I just drank a couple beers and sat down, listened to some music and pumped it up. <laughs> Man, envious. <laughs> what about you, Phil? Um, I, like I said, I was just kind of forming jokes, um, and I would kind of revise those as I was putting them into the script. But a lot of, a lot of how I think I write naturally is to just throw it all on the page and, Mm -hmm. uh, and go back and do it later. I, um, as a, because I'm a glutton for punishment, finished this week up and I started NaNoWriMo uh, Mm -hmm. a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. And so for me to hit my word count every day, I'm not editing anything. I'm just throwing everything on the page as I go. Um, and I, I think I've kind of over the years conditioned myself to just write that way and then just go back and um, kind of reshape it later. So this one was a, a little mixture of both because I, you know, I got the saying I'm, I'm writing jokes and then as I'm putting them in, I'm sort of like refining them, but mostly it was about like forming the overall structure of the script and getting that all in place before I went back and really, really fine tuned it. So I guess, I guess I am editing to some extent, but not, not really digging in and getting uh, kind of anal retentive with it. It's, it's just sort of like general making sure I'm not wandering too far off track. And again, this year was a little different because it was comedy. And so it was like joke writing which mm-hmm. is kind of a different skill set. So there was a lot more like fine tuning of stuff like that. I, I think that's almost like a whole different art form. It, yeah, I, I think it is too. It's, it's a different muscle for sure. I can't, I haven't 
written comedy on a large scale like that. I would call it 12 pages a large sketch. Yeah. Um, and I'm, nothing that it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard really, to do that. It really is surprisingly thread. challenging. Yeah. It's incredibly difficult. <laughs> sure. Man, yeah, that was tough. Uh, and, and, oh, Zach, you mentioned he had a few beers to put on some music. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of what we ended up doing and how we feel it is, did anyone have a soundtrack that was fueling them as they went? Uh, I actually, I listened to a lot of John Coltrane during the last day of writing because hmm. I wanted something. I wanted noise in the background a bit, but not anything that was going to distract me to where like I would, you know, stop and, you know, wrap along with something or I didn't want to listen to a podcast that I actually had to like pay attention to mm-hmm. uh, what they were doing. So I was like, you know what? I'll just throw on a John Coltrane playlist that can just go uh, and just kind of filter in and out of, of me listening and not listening as I write. And, just I, I don't know how much it helped overall but i it just i did like having a little bit of noise in the background i'm i'm right there with you keith if i'm listening to music while i write uh ever it's got to be instrumental and a lot of times it's it's instrumental jazz west montgomery or uh um uh oscar peterson or something like that um Thelonious monk is is one of my favorites and it's just sort of like it's there it if, if especially if you can find something that's to the mood that you're writing that kind of keeps you in that headspace uh but largely it is just to be like s- sort of some background music i can't have words going i can't have people talking to me i can't have a podcast going i can't have lyrical music it's got to be it's got to be just sort of like a rhythmic noise that isn't taking over my brain i i'm a big soundtrack guy uh, so like scores, or, yeah, like yeah. scores of movies. Uh, so usually I write sci-fi and I have like a whole catalog on Spotify of like playlists I'll enter. But, uh, for this, I had a lot of piano music going, uh, to kind of get me into like, just kind of blocking out everything around me. Uh, I also had a bit of the phantom thread soundtrack Mm, in there uh, because I felt like that captured like melancholy kind of sweet undertones. Yeah. Like a sort of uh, right on the cusp of tragedy kind of um, it's a lot of piano music, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's mostly all piano. Uh, So that, and then for the horror scene, I did have gravity, uh, Cause there's a lot of suspense in some of mm-hmm. the songs in there. And I, so I played that soundtrack as well. The space movie, right? Was, the I, I've Bullock. never, I've yeah, never yeah. seen the it, 2013 but... one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That's a good movie. Uh, Zach, what, what did you, uh, what'd you have on? Uh, so depending on like the type of scene I'm, I'm writing, I, I listen to different music, but like I usually write Western stuff, <laughs> but uh, this time, cause I, I wanted to listen to some, some sad stuff. I started playing the score from eternal sunshine of spotless mind. Mm-hmm. And then that kept going and like it auto played a uh, howl's moving castle. And that actually worked really well too. <laughs> nice. I, I started with the old brother. Where are those soundtrack for, for mood? Uh, Cause I, I love that soundtrack or that old. That's a good one. Yeah. Like late 18, early 1900s old timey, 
music. There's something about it. And I love that movie too. So it, it puts me in a good mood, but then I, I don't know. I just listened to whatever was like fancy. I think I had beastie boys going for a long stretch and Queens of the stone age was in there in the roots. And, and I was just like, I don't know if I, if I know the words, I don't feel like I have to pay attention either. It's just kind of, it's like zone out music. Right. I don't know. It, it like, there's a, there's a tempo and an idea to it. And it just kind of, and I just go, I don't know. Um, it's like, it, it's almost like zoning out when you drive um, except for I was writing. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's kind of what it was. Right? <laughs> that's better than driving. <laughs> yes. Zoning out while you drive, not good. Zoning out while you're writing. I, I, I mean, if I had stopped and just sat there and stared at the wall for an hour and a half, which I may have done at some points, so I don't even remember. Uh, that's probably bad, but, you know, whatever. I woke uh, up in a ditch and I had a thumb drive with a script on it. <laughs> and, oh, oh, I got uh, here. Yep, I was I was in the office, woke up in a ditch. Um, can't explain it. Let's talk about our our finished submissions. What what we made, what you know, just talk about the story, inspirations. Did we like it? Did we not like it? You know, how we feel and just about whatever. It don't matter. Um, I had to write a comedy about uh, a tastemaker, um, which as far as I, as far as my Googling and Urban Dictionary got me, it was the same as an influencer. And uh, the, the story element had to be um, clickbait. And like I said, I didn't know quite how to uh, get to what I got to. So I essentially wrote a, a SNL style sketch, uh, but it was all couched in a newscast where this influencer was being, uh, was being interviewed about uh, she had decided to set the new trend of living in, in giant birds nests instead of uh uh, gentrified city neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, and just how about uh, she was being uh, cast as a insensitive person uh, because of clickbait articles. So it was just, it, it was, I feel like I kind of had to stretch to get things like clickbait in there and kind of uh, weave them into the story. Uh, but it was essentially just a vehicle for uh, super weird jokes and kind of news local news parodies. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I, I wrote a couple of commercials. I have one for a, a, uh, a law firm and one for a, a car dealership. Um, and that was just kind of to pad everything out into closer to the 12 page limit and, and make it seem like a full thing. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a completely different kind of writing experience than, than I've had in in a long time. I haven't tried to write straight comedy in in a super long time. Are you happy with your result? Well, uh, mostly, yeah. I uh, kind of surprised myself. I was, like I said, I I kind of didn't show it to a lot of people and just sort of wrote what I thought was funny. So at the end of the day, I thought it was funny and kind of had to divorce myself from whether or not I cared if anybody else did. Mm -hmm. So uh, with that being my criteria i was 
I was fairly satisfied with, with how it came together. I think I wrote something that was pretty funny and ticked all the boxes and was a, uh, it was a little different than the usual one, but it was a story arc uh, mm-hmm. over, over the 12 pages. So I, I feel like I, I hit all the criteria I was supposed to, and I was pretty happy with the quality of it. And I think that's a hard one too, especially if you're going comedy and you're like uh, approaching it from a, from a sketch sort of um, POV, right? Like creating that character arc that actually exists. Right. Right. Uh, so that, yeah, that was very well done. I, I really appreciated that. And, and I did find it funny and, and it's hard because comedy, in my opinion, likes suspense. A lot of it has to do with the people performing it. Right? Yeah. And the camera work and the music and, the, and there's so much that goes into it. So if you can get a chuckle from me while I'm reading, then you're doing OK. And I enjoyed it. I really did. I uh, the, the car dealership, uh, the car commercial made me laugh. I, I, I enjoy. I Tony enjoy cars, used cars. What's that? Tony cars, used cars, Tony cars, used cars. Yes, I like <laughs> yeah. that. I also like vapid sincerity. Right. <laughs> like so. um People talking to one another and they can never get their names right. That always makes me laugh. That's it almost feels like you were doing that to make me laugh specifically. Like it was cheap. Like you knew I would laugh at it. So you did it. <laughs> well, I, I, I cut a lot of wrong names from I, I kept the wrong name thing going through almost the entirety in yeah. my first my first draft. But, I love um, that kind of stuff. That kind of that stuff kills me. And but then, that's uh, what you said about uh, performance. I just want to hit that before I forget. Um like the first thing I was working on, there was a lot of stuff that in my head was funny mm-hmm. because I was watching it play out in a tone that I was picturing. But when you just looked at it straight on the page, it's like, oh, this is just dead on the page. But mm-hmm. if you get, uh, you know, if you get the right comedic actors and the right, you know, uh, you get like Judd Apatow to direct this and and all of his crew. And it's like, then it, then it becomes alive and becomes a thing, but just sitting here by itself, it's, it's totally lame. Like nobody's going to get the comedy out of mm-hmm. what's on the page. Man, a written comedy, like reading it is, is, is difficult. And if you could read it and be like, I get what's funny here. <laughs> right. Uh, right. My wife watches terrible movies on on Netflix mm-hmm. or Amazon, like she almost hunts them down. Like, so her algorithm really skews to <laughs> shitty comedy now. <laughs> so I'll walk in and she'll have something. There's David Spade. And I'm just like, okay, I'll hear her chuckling and I'll come in and go to bed and, and trying to go to sleep. And I hear this long winded uh, monologue piece. That's part of a dialogue. Right. And it's like, Oh, I, I, get what was funny when they wrote this like they they said right. queef you know it's like i get it <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just like okay it's perfect man. we all just laugh right there that's but <laughs> well it, it's it's more of my disdain i would think uh but it's just like i get what they thought was funny what was on the page right. and the delivery of it uh really <laughs> like the director the director and the the performers uh really mm-hmm. make comedy it's hard there's timing there's so much to it it's so ridiculous when i read yours phil so I, i've read like a bunch of comedy scripts because like just being in 
school and stuff and like that's what a lot of people go for it's they write comedies where they write like stuff about porn for some reason mm-hmm. <laughs> but wait they're writing porn or they're writing stuff about porn? like screenplays about porn porn drugs okay. and comedy are like the three <laughs> and the like top three genres is that like yeah, the, exactly. the new edgelord comedy kind of stuff yeah or, exactly. uh, yeah <laughs> but uh I read yours and I laughed uh, so much on like every single page. I thought your jokes were like really well put together. I could oh, thanks, man. I could visualize everything. Yeah, I really enjoyed it overall. That's, uh, that's great. really that's really good to hear. Um, <laughs> that it, it, I'm not the only idiot laughing at my own jokes. That, uh, <laughs> there's other idiots out there too, also laughing. <laughs> now, Keith, so we're not buttoning up our suspense tales next to one another. Uh, how did your suspenseful journey tell us about your horror sp- suspense? Uh, yeah, so, uh, so I got suspense and I had to include a harvest time and a uh, cosmetologist uh, mm-hmm. into it. And like my immediate thoughts were, uh, and <laughs> I kind of got a little worried, like if they wanted to nitpick, I don't know if an Avon sales sales person is ne- necessarily a cosmetologist. But that's like kind of the first thing was, oh, I'm going to have somebody who's going door to door. They're doing sales. They're going to end up at the wrong place. You know, so, you know, the person that they came upon was eventually going to turn on them, uh, you know, and, you know, basically uh, something between like a bit of psycho and a bit of Texas Chainsaw Massacre type vibe um, to it, uh, kind of like a, you know, uh, chasing around um the area i knew i had to have a farm that's probably also why a bit of like a texas chainsaw massacre idea stuck in my head um that they'd be going around a farm and then i just had to figure out okay well how do i get from how do i get is it just going to be they go along and eventually they just knock on the door and oh we're at this place what's going to set this this person that they're going to eventually run into what sets them aside differently and so Basically, idea of somebody from the city trying to get used to selling their product, and they decide to go to like a small town out in like the middle of nowhere, and really getting nowhere with sales. Before seeing some like real like, I kept picturing like like a real housewives type lady, um, uh, but yeah. she's like, but like completely <laughs> sticks out like she should not be on a farm. She's wearing, you know the. the pink sweat uh, pink hoodie with uh you know yoga pants and stuff and all it, it just doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense for her to be there um and and then you know just the girl is she's uh very big on trying to make the sale so it's so one thing i really couldn't get was like okay at some point in time she's got to be able to tell that this is not a lady i guess my only thought is that okay she is she's just really wound up in trying to make the sale that she's really not paying attention um, to a lot of things that are kind of sticking out here that she's probably in the wrong place. You know, so I, cause eventually, you know, the, the lady that she's trying to sell to is turns out to be uh, the husband and he's big on wearing uh harvested hair. And also I did look up a lot of stuff about uh, honeybees and trying to find out, Cause I was like, also like, I'm like, I don't want to go just with a farm farm. Cause you know, that seems like there'd be a lot more people on the farm. It'd be harder to get away with like 
killing people and storing their their hair out in a in a barn on the back of your house. <laughs> uh the hair shed. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so I had a nice this whole like opening monologue uh, thing where she's giving her sales pitch, but it's gonna take you through like all kind of like different people that she's seeing throughout the the town and throughout the day. And I, one thing I did like is because it, the the monologue was kind of long is when she does get up to to the farm and she goes to introduce herself. I have the the old the older lady say no 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 need for an opening monologue. So kind of just like eh, we don't need to go through that all again. And then I tried to make sure one of the things I had to do when I went back through to re to rewrite stuff was anywhere um, uh, Jeannie that's the older the old lady. Anywhere she could be talking about uh, herself or her husband, I tried to leave it kind of open to like you wouldn't know who she was exactly talking about. Um, you know, like there's one part where she's like, they're looking at pictures, she's like, yeah, that's us. We never got to have children. It's why Charles tends, Charles being the husband, it's why he tends to go away. But enough about me. And like little things here and there that were supposed to be meant to say that, okay, well, maybe this isn't exactly who we're talking to, or maybe you're not supposed to know that exactly, but you know, the, this girl really wants to do it. And then tying the honey part in, um, I looked up to see, well, okay, are, are bees more aggressive during harvesting time, you know, to make it seem you know, a little more reason for uh, the bees to attack her besides just her bumping into their hives and stuff. Uh, I, I kind of, I, I told my wife about it. She said that I should end the whole thing by like the guy coming in yelling, it's harvest time just to fit that in um, someplace to make sure I got harvest time in. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, no, (laughs) but, but I did. I, when I got to the end, I was like, I kind of cringe a little bit at my closing line, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I I go, okay, it's kind of, it's cheesy, but it also works out perfectly for what's kind of going on here. And what's your closing line again? I can't remember off the top of my head. The lady who now is the the guy running around, uh, he busts into this like little shack where the girls found all these uh, skulls with the the wigs on them, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Well, well, well, looks like it's going to be a girls' night after all." Because mm. earlier in the movie, like when I, when I like still- the harvest time idea as a as a <laughs> uh- <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's a because there's a part earlier where like. It's still not revealed that that the lady is really her her husband. It, and she's like, damn it, we could have had such a fun night, traded makeup secrets, drink wine, watch a rom-com, you know, but no, you had to go freak out, blah, blah, blah. You know, so, you know, the idea that, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to have this girl's night now uh, after all, and then just kind of cutting there, knowing that uh, the person doesn't make it out, which then I was like, wow, the last year <laughs> I wrote a whole thing where the person ends up you know, our hero ends up not making it out at the end. And really like last year and this year, the, the person talks a lot through the first two thirds and basically says nothing in the final third of the movie because the, I guess villain is now like, you know, doing these basically a monologue type thing, uh, going and, and just before it was like a bond villain type thing. This time it's a crazy psycho guy running around and it's, it, I was like, wow, I did that twice. So I hope that's not something I just kind of fall into. Also very violent ending. 
So <laughs> hopefully I can steer away from that in the future, uh, depending on what it, uh, what I, you know, if I get another chance to write this time around or even next year. Did you feel like you captured the suspense the way you wanted to? Uh, that, to me, that was the hardest part of suspense. Yes. Yes, just- I, I, I did. Um, and in fact, you know, part, part of my worry was in reading through. So I had, I had my wife go through and read it and start to like, just look for misspellings and grammar and stuff like that. And I looked over to see where she was reading. And I was like, I was like, where are you at in this? And she was explaining where she was at. And I'm like, Ooh, you're on like page eight already. Hmm. Like, all right, well, okay. We have to get to, I have to be at the farmhouse and things happening by a certain page. Mm-hmm. in order to make the suspense actually work because otherwise it's just a quick run to the finish and again I, I from reading what's supposed to set suspense apart from like a thriller stuff is a little bit more of a slower build-up which is why i went back through and wrote in lines and you know could be seen as like is this the lady is this somebody different like all types of things that i was hoping people would pick up on as they went and then, of course, at the end, I mean, you just get, you know, a crazy psycho guy stalking somebody throughout uh, their backyard with bees flying around and yeah, skulls and yeah, yeah. I went uh, you pulled in a lot, a lot of different things. Yeah, no, I I thought the suspense was successful, successful suspense. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of s's there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I thought that was done well. I. The the chasing and the and what I read whatever was your your first draft or whatever, and mm-hmm. there were things that I I just not pick up on and, and I think you addressed them well and finished them in the, in the second because when you write in the script it's like she tripped over a thing and it's like well what's that thing yeah <laughs> I, I want to know what she tripped over <laughs> goddammit. well uh, it's supposed to also I I guess because like I I had like it's a my parents have a farm at night it is pitch black out there. Sure. And you can't see anything. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing was, oh, yeah, if you run out to the middle of the backyard, uh, you know, and you start running towards like the fields or whatever, you're not going to be able to see what's going on. And and I was trying to give that that feel to it. And Derek, you had mentioned, hey, you don't have to not say what it is. Um, so I did kind of edit that up a little bit, hoping that. Yeah, to to make it a, a little bit more explainable right out the gate of yeah, okay. So she runs in, she nails into a uh, yeah. smacks right into a beehive. It's yeah, not the a character mystery. doesn't She's know what it there. is, but we need to know what it is, sort of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that was that was good. And then your Im- your imagery, you're you're very good at prose, Keith. You're very good at like this the big description, and uh, you had that you had that in in spades, I think. And this is very visual. You're you're. Yeah. your action, your storytelling, and the idea of that sh- the, the the hair shack. I always say this thing. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that that was all good. I, I it, it it it's hard to read suspense and and like I've read some other suspense on the on the forums. Nothing reads suspense because to me that is one hundred percent direction. Right yeah. and editing, and I, I've never read a Hitchcock, the master of suspense, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But I imagine it probably doesn't read like you're sweating while you're reading, you know. No, oh, and and if you're supposed to be building up something, like twelve pages, okay, like yeah, you got to be efficient. Man, yeah. yeah, I you can't you can't you can't let it you know sit there and you know kind of boil too long. You have to 
has to be ready to go. Uh, the other thing is I tend to, as I'm writing, I will get somebody in mind that I'm thinking of uh, and, and picture in, in my head, like some specific. And I think last year I had just watched a whole bunch of um, the high fidelity show uh, with Zoe Kravitz that was on Hulu this year. I had just watched a whole bunch of Ozark before this. And so like the lady, I, I picture that Darlene lady. Oh my God. Uh, in my head. And uh, I think that, uh, the other, the Juliet in this, I kept picturing um, uh, the girl who plays Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, the, oh, the daughter of, uh, yeah. of Marty. And, and so that's kind of what I was picturing there. But yeah, I, that Darlene lady is all I could think of. And picturing feedback that I get, positive or negative, somebody's going to be like, could you explain what happened to the wife? And I really couldn't explain, like, this, did she just, I, I kind of think she just died and the guy goes off the deep end is kind of where my mind was at with all this, but I just could never, I didn't have anything to write that in. That's yeah, not super important to the story you were telling no, though. I don't either. think it's germane to yeah. that. No, it's just a but bee I, allergy, right? Yeah. Could <laughs> yeah. Have been. Oh, <laughs> oh, dude, I'm writing that she, down. My girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to write that down. The bee allergy. Uh, Zach gets a co-write now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I thought it was interesting. Phil uh, showed his age by talking about like local news. <laughs> not really a thing. <laughs> Keith shows his age by talking about Avon and door to door sales. <laughs> now let's let's talk to Austin where he shows his age with Golden Girls references and uh, Lord of the Rings novels. If if I really wanted to show my age and have some uh, Bitcoin in here, <laughs> right. some kind of. <laughs> but Austin, you did you had the reference to the Golden Girls in there, and I was like, oh, I love the Golden Girls so much. I I genuinely do not know where Golden Girls came into my mind when writing this, but I was just I I was trying to come up at that point with ways like what are fun ways to be like, well, maybe your purpose is that you haven't seen this or read this (laughs) or you know, this classic. So what is her up on culture or pop culture? But but a totally like skewed like this is just one person's perspective. Right. She's like Lord of the Rings, sure, why not? <laughs> uh, my story is kind of about how uh, it's it starts off like a standard ghost story. Uh, a woman in her like twenties, all alone. She's single. She moves into a new house, uh, and she's like very overconfident. Like, oh yeah, this is smooth sailing i don't i don't need anyone's help in this uh and then she's instantly scared shitless uh just about everything uh creepy going on uh i kind of tried to lean into tropes a little bit with uh just how the ghost is haunting her um and then uh you know she goes and so my prompt i should start there uh was a ghost story, of course, but I had to include an expert. And uh, in my many reworkings of the plot of this, I was trying to figure out how to fit in that expert. And I was like, that's just a good way for her to learn about ghosts. Uh, So I had her go to this ghost expert. uh, But rather than hiring him to kind of be a ghost buster, uh, she can't afford his services because he's just kind of the scam artist. Uh, so she ends up being like, all right, I'm going to do this on my own. And then 
as soon as she goes to kind of research ghosts and how is she going to get rid of this woman living in her house? Uh, she gets scared. And during the second haunting, she realizes that she's also scaring the ghost and that the ghost is so sad and upset that she's scared someone and she's just trying to stay out of the way. And she keeps messing it up uh, kind of like this bumbling idiot type situation. Uh, and then she takes pity on the ghost and realizes that this ghost needs help. Uh, maybe she's just trying to get her out of her home. Uh, so she's like, let's find your purpose and get you on out of here. But then uh, there's kind of a montage of all the things that she's doing, kind of trying to teach this ghost different hobbies, things she's maybe missed out on over the years. Uh to try to give her some purpose, make her feel like a person again. And in doing so, she discovers she doesn't know what her purpose is, but that's okay. She She's going to keep working at it. And now she has a friend. It's the general premise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The friends we made along the way. You weren't lying. It's quite yeah. literally the story right, right there. <laughs> How do you feel about your story? I mean, and then we, earlier you said that you're like you're happy that you finished something, but did it go? Did it end how you wanted it to? Like the whole, not not necessarily the story itself, but the whole process. It, I, I struggled uh, halfway through the week. I really struggled. Uh, I brought it to you, Dad, and we kind of talked mm-hmm. about. It. I, I was like, I like all these scenes individually, but I don't feel like they're working. Uh, and it, it was very much a tone problem, uh, which you said and i agreed with uh because each of my scenes and characters they were kind of in different movies right throughout uh this story they didn't feel connected like plot wise they were but tone wise they were kind of all over the place right and uh i i didn't know how to tie that all in together i didn't know how to make it work uh and i got so frustrated I was really worried that I wouldn't have anything. Uh, But in the end, I figured out, okay, horror and kind of uplifting friendship. Those are the two tones that I need. And I kind of boiled it down to that. Uh, And I think it came across. Ultimately, I don't want to say I'm disappointed. I, I just feel like my initial premise was better in my head uh, than what I got, but I was really worried I wouldn't have anything. So right. I'm, I'm glad I made it through the finish line. And also it's, it's made me write more like this past week I've written like half of another short story, a uh, completely different thing, but I was just like, well, now I know I can finish a story. So right. why don't I try to make a better one? Nice. Well, you initially had a, like a, a different angle on the ending too. And um, we talked about this during the writing week because we had talked about it at the beginning of the writing week on, on that recording where uh, Derek, I think it was you said it like you have to, you have to kill your, kill your babies. Sometimes yes. <laughs> you have to, you have to get rid of the, the, the thing you were tied and you were hanging out to like that romance angle. Uh between the ghost and and the girl about the house. And I think that was sort of like uh, 
part of the tone problem was all of a sudden at the end, they had this relationship that, that you were having trouble showing how it progressed to that. Like, and that was, Am I am I remembering this right? You're, yeah, you're right. Like, uh, the, the, I I was like trying to rush. I'm sorry. To did you not want to? Did you not want to talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Th- that is kind of the tone problem I was talking about. I yeah. there's too many things going on, and I I just boiled it down to, which streamlined everything for you. Though is what the point I was making. I think once you once you got rid of the things you were hanging on to, I think all of your things started to fall into place when you rewrote them it it, it a lot easier it became a coherent story right but ultimately i i think my original concept was better if that makes sense like if i had to do this all over again i i would have started with more time and pages yeah that that helps too that that always helps i i would have started with a different uh concept that's a lot more simple, like what I boiled it down to in the end. Right. I, I told you before, I, I really enjoyed your your story because that was a sweet, just a sweet story, right? It had a had that friendship angle, and it wasn't until you just said that the expert part that um, it made the the sleazy Ghostbuster guy even more like important to the story in my opinion because now it's like she's terrified she has a ghost she has to do something about it she goes to the ghost expert and his diagnosis is well let me go in here and just eradicate this ghost right let me clean your house and it's because he he's clearly a grifter of of giant proportion because even comes down to what a 50 dollar book that he wrote um as a solution um i i did enjoy that he's like it's this much he's like well you got some a little bit less uh, yeah. it's this much you got anything and eventually he's just like here this, this book, book that i wrote for yeah. 50 dollars. <laughs> it, it cost me three dollars to publish and print out and you know, but it, 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 it was a good the, touch yeah it's the college yeah, professor uh mm-hmm. making you buy the 200 book, book. Yep, they wrote <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I I envision like I I usually don't do this like attach an actor face to characters, but Oliver Platt sticks in my head as this guy because he's always one. got kind of a greasy look to him anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like that's how I that's who I picture for that. But I I really appreciate that because then it's like the expert's only an expert because he says he's an expert, and uh, it turns out he full of shit right like and it's proven throughout the rest of the story and i just i like that now that i more think about it yeah i had uh i had bob odenkirk as saul goodman is just as my go-to oh, yeah but, uh, yeah but both of those kind of work both, yeah but oliver platt that's a that's a good poll too that's a that's really I, solid i did have to look him up but now that you say yeah. that like <laughs> it fits it fits the uh, that was kind of what he was doing all through the 90s was playing that guy yeah. in some form or another yeah like uh was it <laughs> season one of fargo oh, yeah. that that oliver that version of oh, him yeah. the return to the screenwriting and you said you normally do westerns uh i i don't didn't remember that from the fr- previous conversation zach but tell us about your story and how it how, how you feel it went for you uh i feel like it went really well for the most part because like i said my goal was just to finish it and i did that with like a data to spare, which was like a huge relief. <laughs> mm-hmm. Usually like I just wait 
to the last minute to do everything. It's a terrible <laughs> habit of mine. <laughs> but uh, I I did struggle at at first. Oh, so, so the things I had to work with was a drama. The character was a hostess, and then it had to have creature comforts, which that one. Oh, that's was, right. That's right. Yeah, that kind of threw me off for a bit. And the first few days, like I said, I kept bouncing around between ideas. It was really hard to stick to one because I would start to think about just like little plot points for one. And then I just like completely get rid of that and start over. But once I locked it down, the uh, karaoke bar stuff, that everything started to go relatively smoothly. (laughs) And uh, I like the second half more than the first half of what I made. It's really exposition heavy, but I feel like that works for the type of thing I was writing. Mm-hmm. And um, if I could do it again, I would have the main character talk a bit more instead of just like reacting to things around her in the first half of it. Uh, but overall, like I said, I I really enjoyed what I came up with. It's it's not perfect, but I, I'm proud that I finished it. And I, I feel like it's a coherent story from beginning to end. <laughs> I mean that's the main thing. You gotta you gotta be happy that you complete the project more than anything. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean there's what fifteen hundred people in on this thing, and not even a third of those people are going to move on. So everyone's got to be happy that they actually just completed something and got it in there. And like I said, I've never really written like straight drama before, and I most things I do are like actiony, like revenge type things, which is why I usually do like westerns and just like action movies in general <laughs> but uh this is a nice change of pace to do like more character focused thing and i uh I, I like the whole thing about like coming to terms with like a like a depressing thing that's happened mm-hmm. in your life and you just can't help but think about that for like the rest of your life and it's was, it was very interesting to write about when i was reading it i I knew there was some sort of thing going on because it's, it's very, um, it's, it's not ever said, right. Mm. It's hinted out, right. Like, Oh, it's weird. Right. Like yeah. oh, what kind of weird, like my brain immediately goes almost to Keith levels of weird. Uh, so I'm just like, uh, boy, he's in there and he's dressing like his dead wife. Right. Like I, that's why I was trying to figure out what it was. He's like, what is the weird, what kind of role play situation is it? And then it was it was it's not that it has a it has a weird sweetness to it too and you feel (laughs) so bad for this guy that this is how this he he just uses it to help him remember and it's like oh um did those song those songs have any particular meaning for you or are they just just ones that you're like oh this will be a good song for this uh they're mostly just like this two of the songs like that i think of when uh like I just think of sad songs that I enjoy. Sure. Like I, like also I picked the Roy Orbison one at the end because he's got such a unique voice, and I think mm. he's. It's always fun seeing people uh, do him in karaoke because like <laughs> most people try like copy it or like won't, and yeah. it always <laughs> sounds interesting. But mm-hmm. uh, I, one of the things I changed multiple times was like different songs. I had more songs originally. That's why that Kate Bush typo was in there. Like the. Oh yeah, and the, the version I sent you guys, and then uh, I realized it didn't make much sense for uh, her to like be singing 
that much and then just have the actual song at the end be like kind of the <clears throat> like the the release at the end i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah there's there's no like super deep meaning them. there's ones I, I liked i thought would be good sad songs <laughs> no it worked well i i like i said i enjoyed it i i liked it too zach i <laughs> I, think, um, I, I think you just there's a mood to to that piece where um i can kind of like picture that bar i picture the karaoke mm-hmm. bar and the lounge oh, in there good. and you know it, whether i mean it's partly from your description and partly just like everybody has been in that place and it it's it's a thing that can kind of shift for every person based on which karaoke bar they've been in but there's a commonality to it so everybody knows what you're talking about for yeah. for that and and just uh you know the karaoke the idea that karaoke is like this you know kind of happy activity this fun thing that people go do and for this guy it's just this very sad very uh melancholy uh (laughs) kind of celebration of his grief and that he invites someone to into that is is uh it's it's a really like uh bizarrely beautiful story in in that way and and it really just the the mood of the whole thing i think really um was surprising me i wasn't ready for it when i read it i'm like i don't know what he's gonna have here <laughs> in it with a drama but it's like oh wow that's a really kind of poignant story so um, oh, thanks. I, 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 I really that. appreciated reading it because it, it's not it's not a, originally a karaoke bar for him either right it's right yeah you know, it's it like a, a restaurant type thing and yeah he's regular and just like even though it's changed, he's even found that way to adapt to make it also like instead of just walking and being like, fuck, I came in here to get that dish that we always got. Now I can't. It's a karaoke bar and he wants to like I'm head just... out. Yeah. Instead he's he's found this other way to like really like you know make it work for what he still needs out of the place. Um and and the you know, as you know, the whole like, well, you sing a song, and I'll tell you my story, or I'll tell you part like, and so that way he's getting something out of it the whole time while he's still revealing a little bit of it. Uh, I thought that was all done really, really well. Keith, you said, uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm mixing up names here. Zach, you you said about your own story that uh, like the beginning half, you thought uh, the main character was just kind of reacting to things, mm-hmm. but. But I, I read so much into how she was reacting and like, I, I really felt like I understood this character and kind of where she's coming from. And then at the very end of the story, when, when she calls her mom back, uh, I, I thought that was such like a beautiful way to tie in like, oh, she, she kind of learned something. She could bookend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. That, yeah. That was my, my goal. So I'm. Glad you got that out of that. The real karaoke was the moms we called along the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and and I'll I'll say this for the the bar because feels like oh we've all been there before. Like in my mind, I almost pictured this weird dystopian pseudo 
strip club environment because they have these private rooms for karaoke. <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing before. <laughs> so like there's main karaoke out on the stage, right? And then you can <laughs> get your private karaoke and then what's going on there? I don't know. It's weird, man. It's weird stuff going behind door closed doors and champagne karaoke rooms or something like I, I don't know. There's just some like I could you could almost set it in like a in a uh a Blade Runner style universe, <laughs> right. and it fits. You know, you're just like, okay, weird, uh, okay. But I mean, it, 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 there's nothing. There's really nothing that ties it specifically to any any time. Uh, uh, not even connecting <laughs> the songs, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, no. you know, it, yeah. it's. I suppose, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I based it like on a because I I do go to karaoke, but I do not sing. That's <laughs> part of what I wrote about. Like I just don't like get it in front of people or anything, so I, I based off this one that I go to or that I used to go to pre-COVID uh, stuff. But and then like I also was looking into other karaoke bars, and apparently, like um, Korean karaoke bars have the private rooms. So I thought really? that would be a cool touch. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's no re- idea. Really interesting. <laughs> a lot of bachelor parties at the, at the uh, yeah. <laughs> strip club karaoke. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well. Karaoke is a very cultural thing too, right? Like yeah, yeah, different yeah. cultures take it very seriously. Like, well, I think I think there's Americans that do take it very seriously. But I think it maybe I don't I don't mean to project, but I I don't find it like comical, but I don't take it as like a uh, time for karaoke, you know, sort of right. thing. Get my get my karaoke pants on, and get my go. rhinestone jacket on. Yeah, and, like uh, I don't. <laughs> but I think there's people that do take it like that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I do. do you? <laughs> well, I, they're karaoke shorts I put on, but you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess I'll finish it up. Boy, just because it feels like I'm beating a dead horse, I'm going to do it anyway. My prompts were <laughs> suspense, a proxy marriage, and a tailor. And I like laugh I said, every time I hear it, it's such a ridiculous <laughs> prompt. Like I said before, I ended up going western with my story because I felt. It, to me, like in a Western environment, you can disguise yourself better. Like yes. there's, there's just like there's no technology, right? Like you, you can't, you can get away with correspondences and maybe never meeting someone until the very, you know, knowing someone but never meeting them until the end, right? You know, sort of thing. I was trying to find ways to hide it, and then I was trying to figure out how to make it suspenseful, and I didn't want the suspense to come from the proxy marriage itself. Cause that's where I f- kind of feel like it almost forces you in that direction. Right. Uh, because it's such a weird, peculiar prompt that I, I, I don't know. I, I've never heard of anyone being proxy married to begin with, unless it's like a weird cult thing. I have no idea. Um, so I created the story where, uh, the hero, uh, the, the, the tale, Calvin, I guess is the hero. Uh, is the protagonist, I guess. He is kidnapped on his way to uh, marry, meet and marry for the first time his bride-to-be who lives in uh, Copper Flats, which is a western town out in Missouri or Kansas somewhere. Uh, and he's coming in from Chicago. Only met via correspondence. I pictured it as like an arranged marriage almost sort of thing. Like, right. Um, and at that time, photographs would not be that common either right so so you could get away with like 
mistaken identity or something. Anyway, there's a family that's hell bent on revenge for the for the bride's family because her father is the sheriff or marshal of the town. And so that's where it all takes place, right? Like um, uh, the Calvin is kidnapped and held hostage by uh, two of the three brothers bent on revenge. And they, they send the good looking brother in, instead of uh, Calvin to get married. But I heard you like proxy marriages. So I put a proxy marriage in your proxy marriage dog. And the sheriff uh, replaces his daughter with his deputy. So as the bride. Mm-hmm. And when I got Keith's script originally, I was like, oh, Keith, Keith's got cross-dressing and is, is his as well. And uh, I ho- hopefully <laughs> it's just a, uh, well, so it's, I guess it's the most suspenseful thing. Either of us, I could think of either of us. Could think of, is, uh, <laughs> a man dressing as a woman. Suspense. Um <clears throat> But yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna say this. I, I don't love it like I loved my first submission from last year. Like I still think that's probably one of the best things ever written from a story standpoint and just how it all kind of tied together. But I think I did a pretty good job with this one. I'm happy with it. I I hit a lot of story beats. Um I actually broke it down into three acts. My first act ends on page four, like at the end of the page. I was like, oh, this is a good end. Going right into two and two is about six pages long. And then the the act three uh, is the last two. I was happy with all that. I was happy with everything shook out. There are things that I would do a little bit differently now because um, I think that either maybe my intentions weren't as clear as I thought or there's just a neater way of doing it. But this is also... 100% the most efficient thing I've ever written. Uh, like, it's just words to thought. <laughs> like, usually I'm long winded and try to be prosy in my description. And then and I took my action down to two to three word sentences that I hope conveyed my thought the, the way it needed to be. Uh, so, Derek, in, in reading yours, and I know that, um, you and I had both put ours over onto the forum mm-hmm. uh, thing for, for other people to check out and stuff like that. And uh, I think there's one other person on there even commented that you know, the, the, the stagecoach scene, uh, you know, could have been cut down a little bit or something like that. Okay. And, and, and I kind of thought that, but at the same time, like I found that to be like one of the most like visual, like I could picture like exactly what was like going on because mm-hmm. you mentioned like the mustache blowing in the wind and i was like oh that i can visualize like this old western guy riding along and you know this big huge mustache going and then just as somebody goes to say something to him boom like half his head gets blown off uh, oh, i didn't and, write that but okay <laughs> well, you didn't write it well you didn't, well, you didn't write it. half his head gets blown off but he get the guy gets shot you know right mm-hmm. as the, the kids the the, the now if i wrote that last year yes Half of his head would have been blown up. Bits of brain flying in through the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what would have been there. Um, but I found that I was able to visualize that whole part perfectly. Yeah, um, thanks. And, and, I really, and it really stood too. out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it looked like you were you uh, not necessarily having the most fun writing that, but like that you were able to really 
explain like and that you know the flashback works to like kind of really show like okay well here's how we got to where we started out at yeah um and, and, and even like all the uh the the, the sheriff being like i gotta go find my son-in-law mm-hmm. you know like I, I could very much like uh picture almost like a wyatt earp type uh uh kurt russell uh wyatt earp type uh guy mm-hmm. being like i gotta go find yeah. him and hell's coming with me <laughs> <laughs> i like to so you've, you've got like a lot of characters in such a short amount of time but you do like you handle them all very well which i think is impressive and they're all distinct from each other thank which, you yeah i i really enjoyed that and like just like the little character descriptions the way they all talk to each other is very well done i appreciate that that's um one of the things I really enjoy is like Keith was talking about how he's like, Oh, he, he fell into things he did last year. And I realized that <laughs> I have kind of a, a dim witted character with a single syllable name um, <laughs> that, that garners some disdain. Right. Like I, I realized I did that as well, but I don't know. I think it kind of works. And especially with like a, with a brother um, uh, hierarchy or right? the older brothers, the smart one, the mm-hmm. younger ones, the good looking one. And then there's that, the one in the middle, man, it's just ain't right, you know. And, then, <laughs> and they'll treat him as such, right? Um, and was you had Grizz was last year. Was well, that, I dink, the weird... dink with, well, I also had Grizz. I had two oh, single yeah. single syllable yeah. dimwits last year, but they both died, so that works. Then <laughs> and I kill all my single syllable dimwits. That's that's the but your guy. Guarantee. Your guy this year, uh, Tick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, he reminds me, which when you said you watched True Grid, mm-hmm. it, it clicked with mm-hmm. me. He reminds me of the guy who makes animal noises mm-hmm. in the, yep. in the, uh, the Ned Pepper gang. He yep. who clucks like a chicken and all that stuff. It's just sort of like this kind of simpleton, uh, this eccentric simpleton. And I thought that was like this good touch uh, that kind of fleshed out that gang. They weren't just these, these faceless gunmen that they yep. each had personalities like that and uh, yeah that w- that was a, a big inspiration because i was like okay yeah that guy is useless right he mm-hmm. just squawks like a chicken flaps what like you a talking about? he's he's morale builder for the whole gang <laughs> yeah where <laughs> i think tick is just his speech impediment slows him down but his brother won't ever give him the opportunity right because he's right, just kind of right. beat him up but uh what was i gonna say oh and, and he's also a a character that Harris would not normally have around him, but because he's his brother, he's his brother. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those things. I'm also fascinated with that time in history where you could just say you were anybody you wanted to say you were, mm-hmm. and no one could prove that you weren't. Yep. Um, and anytime I hear about someone in an outlaw who got caught, I'm like, all you had to do is move one town over and and tell them you had a different name. And mm-hmm. it just fascinates me that anybody got caught doing anything. Yeah, you can. So be I anything. love that you incorporated that as not only as part of your plot, but as your way to get that weird prompt uh, uh, working for you that you could just sort of stand in as somebody else yep. and actually take somebody's fiance away from them. Like that was... Uh, that was just a, a great way to to bring that into the story. Yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah, that was a clever way to to work that in, um, you know, for that and, and put that in there. So with the round one done, 
on a, on a scale of like uh, boo to yay, how are you feeling confidence wise going against a, a group of unknown competitors? Like where you think your stuff will shake out for you? Well, after talking to you guys, I feel much better. <laughs> yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not going to get my hopes up too high. Like, oh, yeah. Like I said, my, my goal was just to finish. I mm-hmm. did that. So, like, I'll be totally okay if I don't make it. I would be like incredibly happy if I do make it to the next round. Mm-hmm. But so I, I felt like at like the midway point, I guess. <laughs> I was about 50 50 going into, going into today. Um, Phil and Derek, your guys' feedback on it. I'm, I'm, feeling more confident uh about it i'm i'm trying not to get my hopes up too much because i honestly last year i was like yeah i got i'm no problem through round one (laughs) with what i put together last year and when it didn't happen i was like what (laughs) hold on time out like this is much i thought it was much better than what i got through with round one the first year i did it it's like and so I, I I like what I have down. I'm not blown away by what I have, but you guys, um, you know, the feedback you guys gave me on it uh, gets my gets my confidence uh, up a little bit more. I feel uh, pretty confident with what I wrote. It's hard for me to say that I'm confident in getting through to the next round, uh, mm-hmm. partly just because I don't know who I'm up against and. Uh, because comedy is so subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I wrote sketch, I, I also, also kind of feel like um, I may take a hit for that as opposed to writing like a, a quote unquote movie. But, um, you know, uh, I also there's a part of me that says if I can make judges laugh, uh, I stand a better chance of getting uh, getting through to the next round. So I'm pretty I'm. I'm happy with what I wrote, so I'm pretty confident in it. I, you know, I'm just up in the air about where judges will land, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. I don't want to jinx anything, but I, I don't think this story that I wrote is strong enough to get to the next round. I, I haven't seen anyone else in my category, but I just. I feel like it's not the strongest thing that I could put out, uh, but I I am hopeful and I'm looking forward to feedback uh, to grow as a writer. And also I would love to make it to the second round just to get like another, another shot, another shot uh, yeah. a, a, a different prompt. Yeah. yeah that, that's the weird thing. I was like, man, that, that's the main reason I want to get to the next round is, because I want to write again. I'm like, well, I guess I could write even if I didn't make it to the second round. I yeah, you got still, two months. I could still do something else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plus, we got two months to sit around um, until yeah, that, then. That's the worst part, I think, for me. is just, I, I get the logistics. They got X amount of people mm-hmm. that have to read yeah. a thousand screenplays. I get that. Uh, but, man, waiting two months. And it's and it's a full two months, too. Man. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, <laughs> it's like the it's Memorial Day weekend, right? Yeah, just when it comes out, I'm just like, oh, it almost gets to the point where you kind of forget about it, right? And then, and then you're like, you get excited about the results day coming up. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm like, I'm like all of you too. I, I'm just, I'm hopeful. Um, I feel like I wrote a, a pretty decent script. I think it's it's solid. It did it did everything that I wanted it to do when I, I actually sat down to write it. So when I 
gave myself a three days of work. I was able to do what I could could do. Um, but like you, Austin, I'm really looking forward to the feedback. That's my favorite part of the whole thing. Like, and if I get through to the next round, I I, I want that crack so I can get more feedback because I think the feedback last year really propelled me to move in a, a direction um, that's made me a better screenwriter since then. Um, and to look and think about things differently. And that's, that's, I really, I have high interest in that. And maybe one day I'll, I'll finish a feature and be able to post it somewhere and get feedback and whatnot. But that's what I'm looking forward to get that feedback, that juicy, ill formatted mm. email that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is it is ill formatted. It, it is, is like the rest of, of the website. It is poorly like, formatted. Like, <laughs> make heads or tails of this. Hopefully, maybe they they have a new. They, it looks like they have some new systems with their website. So maybe the that email will come back in the. That GeoCities update really didn't. Work <laughs> yeah, <pretty. laughs> uh, well, uh, they're they're splitting yeah. a load between that and Angel Fire, so okay. can, <laughs> so nobody gets bogged down. Um, <laughs> Austin's not laughing because he's not old enough to yep. remember. Shoulder age. <laughs> his old guy jokes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to. I have to log into my AOL account real quick. Too. The Midnight Riders are Phil and Austin Rude, Keith Gala, Zach Jackson, and myself, Derek Glasscock. Phil Rude is a comic artist, writer, and podcaster. Find his work at philrude.com, and you can listen to his podcast, The Picture Show, wherever podcasts are found. Austin Root is an artist, writer, D&D player, and educator. He lives at home where he watches and reviews movies with his dad on The Picture Show, which you can find on your podcatcher of choice. Keith is an all-around good chap who hosts That Was Great, Wasn't It? and is one-third of the Monster Hunters podcast. Find him online on Twitter at KG3030 and at How Great Was That? Zach is a writer and video editor. Find some of his other podcast work at geekrising.com and follow him on Twitter at Boss Ross Jackson and on Instagram at Boss underscore Ross underscore Jackson. As for me, I'm one of the co-hosts of the Monster Hunters podcast where we take an unserious deep dive into everyone's favorite sitcom about a Frankenstein's monster and his grotesque family. You can also find me on Twitter at Derek, the number nine, and the word nine. 